Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome to the Gospel for Life. We are continuing to trek through the Psalms. And if you've missed any of these programs and you're kind of wondering, you know, other than getting into the Psalms itself, is there a good book that would help me kind of navigate through the the five different books and the different themes that are in the book of Psalms? And we have the answer for that is yes. Dr. Robert Godfrey, who's going to be our speaker at the Reformation Boise Conference this year in November, he was a former president of Westminster Seminary in Escondido, California. He wrote a book called Loving the Psalms. Is that the name of it? Yep. A very good overview on the different themes in the Psalms, and he takes each one of them and and he connects it to Christ. And so really great book. And you bought some of those, didn't you, for the conference? I do. I have a whole pile um, of them in boxes in my office just waiting for you um, come November 13th and 14th to grab. So if you want to wait till then, you can purchase it at the conference, but you can also get on Google and and find one at a pretty decent price. So today we're going to start book three in the Psalms, and we are going to read Psalm 73. So one of you brothers like to read that? Tell you what, I'll, I'll, read, uh, I'll read the first half. I, I will read through verse third, no, 14, and then somebody else pick up. But this is a Psalm of Asaph, and uh, so let me begin, Psalm 73. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, How can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease they increase in riches. And in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought... How to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went into that sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Truly, you set them in slippery places, you make them fall to ruin. 
how they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. So there's an interesting structure to this psalm. You know, uh, Asaph begins by saying God is good to Israel, but, and then he kind of gives a autobiographical narrative of how he was thinking about the wicked. He, he sees all the wicked on the earth doing all these evil things, and he's like, man, they're prospering. Right, right. S- something's wrong here. And then he kind of catches up to himself in verse 15, and he says, but if I feel like my, you know, my piety towards God and my living a devoted life towards him had been a waste of time, then I would have betrayed the generation of your children. So that's kind of how it begins. Right, yeah. And this is this psalm is a classic example, and, and it's true of all the Bible, but here in the Psalms, read the whole thing. Yes. <laughs> Make sure you read the whole psalm because they are a, each psalm is a literary whole. And uh, if you just pluck verses out of it or sections out of it, you may miss the point completely. Uh, whereas here, it looks like a cry of despair that, you know, the wicked, well, it looks like the wicked just, they win and uh, they don't suffer like the rest of mankind. They, don't, they certainly don't suffer like me. And it's almost feeling sorry for himself uh, for the first you know those those first opening verses, but then there, there's a there's a change in his perspective when he comes before God. And uh, boy, you know, there's an old saying that what you see depends on where you stand. Mm-hmm. And uh, to stand on God's word, you you see the world differently. God God will give you a new perspective, new eyes to see yeah. uh, the reality of His world and His justice. This is just a little bit of an aside, but it just it is just a reminder that sometimes when we read a, a, a chapter in the English, we miss some things. So the 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 author here, Asaph, um, has markers here that are not translated consistently in English versions. So verses one, thirteen, and eighteen all start exactly the same. It should start with truly. Um, for whatever reason, the translators made a decision in verse 13 not to include it. Um, so they, they give you little hooks that you can follow the thought process of, of, the, of the psalmist as he's writing it. And then verses 2, 22, 23, and 28 all begin with the same phrase. Um, either it would be translated and I or but I. And and but in the Hebrew are interchangeable, um, so you wouldn't know the difference. You see that the author is saying these common phrases throughout, right? Um, and that that does kind of help you get the feel of the, the the cadence or the writing or the thought process of the psalmist. And 
So sometimes just a heads up that we do lose some things in translation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Psalm 73 is one of those where we might have lost a couple things because we've not seen the markers that the psalmist put in himself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Phil, you were talking about depending on where you stand is is kind of what you see. And, and, and really the first 15 verses of this psalm really deals with looking at uh, – the things in the world with with like no spiritual perspective whatsoever. And then once he transitions to verse 16, he says, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. That is the end of the wicked. What's going to actually happen to them? Right. And there's almost a, a diatribe here of, you know, he's crying out, they have no pangs until death, their bodies are fat and sleek. He's talking about the rich who disregard God, those who seem to be successful in this world. And though, to use a modern idiom, those who have it all mm-hmm. have no problems. Well, well, that's really, that's really not true. Um, it's not true that they have no problems, and it's not true that they're that they're just going to go on like this forever, um, because there's going to be justice. And you're, so, anyway, you're absolutely right. It's when he goes into the sanctuary that his perspective is changed. There's something about worship. There's something about the act of worship that redirects our hearts, and and that's one of the reasons, uh, among so many others, why why daily worship matters so much and weekly worship on the Lord's Day with the people of God is absolutely essential to your spiritual health Mm -hmm. uh, because it's not until you go into the sanctuary with God's people and sing God's praise and and cry out to God in prayer and hear God's word that our our perspective is readjusted. I had a Psalm 73 moment like 30 years ago. Um, I was running track in high school and... um, was doing quite well, but there was a kid that I ran against, um, and it was really between he or I about who would be the state champion that year, and this guy was from a town um, a little ways away from me, but we ran against each other, you know, every once in a while, and before the race, he would come up to me and say, Satan rules, and 666, and he was um, he was a piece of work, and he really was, I think, a, a, a follower of Satan. And that was where he was at, and he knew where I was at. And um, he ends up beating me in the state meet. And I felt like the first half of this psalm, like, God, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what's going on here. Right. Why are you allowing the clearly wicked to prosper? You know where my heart is, that I want you to get glory through what I do. And he is wanting to give glory to the devil. I said, I, I don't understand why. Um, but then you get to this part in verses 21 and 22. My soul was embittered, but then I was pricked in my heart and realized I was brutish and ignorant. I was a beast towards God because I was looking at it and saying, somehow you don't know what you're doing. God, you don't know how to deal with the world in which you created and if you actually understood things, you wouldn't allow him to be successful. You would allow me to be successful. 
And um, it was an aha moment for me of, okay, so at the end of the day, he wins. Do I really want to completely trade places with him? What does he have that I don't have? Well, nothing. I still have God. I still have my faith. I still have everything of value. He has something that's going to fade and be worthless seconds after he achieves it. And it, you just realize, oh, I can be a Psalm 73 moment at any time. Yes. And it can be over something very silly or it can be something over, you know, something quite significant. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a temptation. And th- uh, this is something different, um, Russ, than what, than what you're describing. Um, because I don't, I, I, I want to preface this by saying that this is not your experience because what you were describing is not self-righteousness. But there, there is also a temptation which could be part of this psalm mm. to think, to begin to think, and, and when, you look at, when you look at the way the wicked prosper in the world, and you can begin to be tempted with the thought all of the evil and wickedness is out there in other people, and all of the goodness is in me. Mm-hmm. And I, that's, I think that's part of the temptation that Asaph is laying bare for us. You know, it was, uh, perhaps it was last week's shows where, where somebody quoted Alexander Solzhenitsyn that the line between good and evil doesn't run between me and you. It runs right down the middle of every human heart. It runs right down the middle of my heart. Mm-hmm. And this is where Asaph is. His heart is exposed when when he says, "You know, you you pricked my heart. Um, the evil isn't just out there; it's in me too. And and uh, I need to come before God in worship and be cleansed." And really, the psalm ends by saying, "You know, if we have God, we have everything." Yes. And hopefully, that's where you find yourself today. Well, thanks for listening to the Gospel for Life, and we'll see you tomorrow. 